So welcome to our new series called Crazy. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? <laughs> but in this series, we want to take a look at how we can step out of the crazy and find the calm in the chaos of life. How many of you got a little chaos going on right now? Raise your hand. I figured that. Got a little chaos. Things get a little wound up tight. Things You get stretched a little thin. You get stressed out a little bit. I'm, I'm the type of person, I tend to stress inwardly. I don't know when I'm stressing. My wife can tell when I'm stressing because of this crease right here. It's the tattletale on me. When that thing's folded, it's like she goes, uh-oh. <laughs> but for me, I normally stress inwardly. I don't normally stress outwardly. But the other day, about two weeks ago, I had a bad Monday. It was a bad Monday. In fact, I told Pastor Josh at the Monday pastor's meeting, this has been the worst day ever. He's like, dude, that's a big statement. I'm like, that's a real statement. I woke up that morning with a text message of a marriage in crisis, and it was like, it's over. And this is how I wake up. I should have never grabbed my phone. (laughs) Lesson learned. (laughs) I wake up to that, and from that point on, crazy was the rest of the day. At one point, there was a guy that came in off the streets. We were, we were draining the baptismal. The back door was unlocked. We normally lock it because we get some crazy folks up in here. And I'm not packing yet. This dude walks in with all these bags on. And before I know it, he's in my office taking his bags off, getting ready to sit down. I'm like, and I'm already stressed. I'm like, bro, what you doing? He goes, I'm going to sit down. I'm like, okay. I said, what do you need? He goes, oh. Well, uh, he wanted to tell me this big old stuff. I said, bro, time out. Tell me what you need. He said, I need a new bag. I'm like, so I, I go into like fix mode, right? Okay, I'm going to send Lisa get a new bag. Uh, get, can we knock this out in about 10 minutes? Okay. I said, so you, that's, that's all you need is a new bag? Yep, I just needed a new bag. You see my bag? And he wants to talk about his bag. He got a piece of wire. I'm like, bro. I like got marriages dying. I got like all this stuff going. You worried about a bag? Pray for me, please. So I get him out of my office. I get him in the foyer. I'm like, Lisa, go get this brother a bag and hurry up and get back so we can get him out of here because I don't know where he's coming from. He gave me the creeps. So he's sitting down, and and so I come in. I say, okay, listen, we're going to run the family dollar and get you a bag. He goes, no. (laughs) Then I caught an attitude. I'm like, what do you mean, no? No, I need a bag from Walmart. Say really? Yeah, the, the bags from the dollar store can't hold off my stuff properly. It's got to be a bag from Walmart. I said, so you mean to tell me if I send somebody to the, to the dollar store and get you a bag, you, you're not going to take it? No, I'm going to throw that in the trash. We're done. Let's go. You got to go, bro. Walked him right out the door. He cussed me the whole way out. I was like, can I go home? Back to bed? You ever have a day something like that? Crazy. I went home that day. I was totally exhausted. Totally exhausted. I was fully stressed outwardly. Poor Lisa was freaking out. She's never in, in eight years seen me like that before. I had to apologize. I'm like, Lisa, I'm sorry. I'm not normally like this. I'm, just, I'm a good boss, I promise. But there's an epidemic in our society today, and it's an emotional epidemic. And it's impacting millions of people. 
The Wall Street Journal says it's responsible for taking more lives than smoking, drinking, and not exercising combined. I'm referring to an invisible, you can't see it, intangible, you can't touch it, emotional epidemic called stress. We all know what stress is, don't we? If you're alive, you know what stress is. We all know what stress is. Here's the crazy thing about stress. It does not discriminate. Stress don't care what color you are. Don't care what side of the tracks you were brought up on. Don't care what your financial status is. Stress meets all of us somewheres. Amen? It does not discriminate. Jesus speaks to this, though, and I think it's important to hear what Jesus has to say. In Luke 21 from the Passion Translation, it says this, Be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. Remain passionate, watch this, and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. He said to remain free from the anxieties and the worries of this life. How? Like, tell me how, Jesus? Anybody agreeing with me this morning? Watch what he says. Then you will not be caught off guard by what happens Don't let me come and find you drunk or careless in living like everyone else. That last sentence just like really, really gets me. Like, don't let me, I can hear my mom like, I better not come home and then you be in this. Don't let me come and find you drunk and living carelessly. So important. Why would he say that when he's talking about anxieties and worries of life? God, this is so good. Why does he say that when he's talking about anxieties and the worries of life? Is he talking about being drunk and living carelessly? Why is it that he's putting them in the same topic, in the same sentence? Why is he saying, don't be anxious and don't be drunk? Do you think Jesus knew what 2019 would be like? Do you think that the word of God is still alive today? What do we do? Not all of us, but some of us. What do we do when we get stressed out? We go to things, don't we? We go to things. Some people struggle with alcoholism. Whether they admit it's alcoholism or not, it's alcoholism. If you're stressed out and you got to run to a bottle to get some relief, it's alcoholism. Just because you don't call it that doesn't mean it's not what it is. (laughs) Jesus is saying to us, you can't apply worldly solutions to spiritual problems. It never works. Why? Because then you got to drink more. And you got to drink more. And you got to live more carelessly. And you got to do this. And you got to do that. Why? Because you're trying to outrun stress. But it's a spiritual problem. Say it's a spiritual problem. That can't be dealt with with worldly solutions. Everyone deals with stress. Somebody's stressing right now. There's a student stressing about taking a test, and there's a teacher stressing about grading the test. There's somebody stressing because they don't like their job, but there's somebody else stressing because they can't find a job. There's somebody stressing over the wedding, and somebody else is stressing over the divorce. One person is stressing because they can't find the house they want, and the other person is stressing because their house won't sell. Somebody's stressing because they can't stop losing weight, and others of us can't stop gaining it. 
and we're all stressing. <laughs> like, I lost weight. Yeah, I found it. <laughs> Some people are stressing because they want kids and can't have them, and other people are stressing because they, can't, they have kids and they don't want them. We're all stressing. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not crazy. Look at him back and say, you need the baby. <laughs> Bless your heart. Y'all know what that means. You see, we used to be one nation under God. I think today we're one nation under stress. You know, 75% of all the visits to primary care physicians are related to stress. 75%. I find it hilarious that we've got all this technology that is supposed to relieve the stress of our lives. Maybe it was a trick. <laughs> Maybe we're getting shammed. Here's some bad news. I can't make most of this stop. There's no such thing as a stress-free life. And I don't want to pretend there is. Because that'll cause stress itself. You see, the problem is, is we live in a fallen world. When we get to heaven, there will be no stress. But today, while we're here on this planet Earth, there's going to be stress. It's a fallen world. Here's some good news, though. God wants to arrest your stress today. You believe that? God wants to deal with your stress today. And this series is a wake-up call because if you don't listen, you might end up paying for it. Stress may take things from you that you never thought it would. Here's a good example in the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. King Balshazzar, <clears throat> he, he was having a feast with a bunch of wives and his nobles and his concubines. It was about 100 people in this room. And in his storeroom, he had some cups from the Ark of the Covenant, some golden cups of gods that was taken by Nebuchadnezzar. And he pulls these cups out, and he's having this big old feast with about 100 of his closest friends and wives and concubines. And he begins to get proud. And then something happens. Pick it up in Daniel chapter 5, verse 4. It says, when they drank from them, the golden cups, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. You ever wonder what an idol is? An idol is made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. That's your truck, that's your house, that's your jewelry, that's your clothes. They didn't put cotton on here, but you know what I'm talking about. Suddenly, say suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around Around his neck, he will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Wow. 
They're sitting there worshiping their idols and God has enough and he shows up with his hand and writes on the wall. It freaks me out just to read it. And he writes something that they can't understand. You see, they were praising their idols and idols make horrible gods. How often do we praise our idols with our time, with our talk, with our attention, and with our stress? I think a lot of us are stressing over our idols. We're stressing over our stuff. You see, it's the trick. It's the trick of the enemy. You need more stuff to bring satisfaction in your life. You need more things to bring fulfillment into your life. You need this and you need that. This will help you. This will make it better. You can get you an Instapot and it will make your life peaceful. We bought an Instapot. Life's not no more peaceful than it was before we had the Instapot. And when you cook a roast, it don't taste like it came out of the black iron pot. Can I get a witness in this place? We think that things are going to bring fulfillment to us, but they don't. They're just idols. It's like the enemy saying, here, try this. Oh, that didn't work? Well, try this. It's the new and improved version. Oh, that didn't work? Well, here's 3.0. Try this. And the whole time we're spending money we don't have on things that ain't doing what they're supposed to do. And we're getting more stressed and more stressed and more stressed. Am I right, church? If we're not careful, idols... My business became my idol at one point. Anything can become an idol. Ministry can become an idol. You know how many pastors have fallen, not because of adultery, but because of idolatry? You just don't hear about those on the news. They bring Daniel in, and Daniel reads what's on the wall. What was on the wall was Mene Mene Tekel Parson. And Daniel comes in, and he says, Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parsons means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Meds and the Persians. You see, you're going to die. Your days are numbered. It's going to be over with one day. So what what you have? Belshazzar's life did not measure up. That's what God was saying to him. Because your focus, your attention, your time, your stress, your energy, everything that you got is wrapped up in these golden cups. You don't measure up. His life was out of order. Our lives can get out of order. Amen? All of us can get out of order. All of us can get priorities jumbled up. All of us can get things out of whack sometimes, right? Belshazzar was not measuring up. His focus was in the wrong place. You see, we can have a lot of things, but when we have a lot of things, we tend to squander them. 
You spend more money when you have more money. <laughs> you know that's true. <laughs> you a budgeteer when you broke. Come on, you'll teach Dave Ramsey something. Bro, let me tell you something. Get you a hundred dollar bill. Forget you, Dave Ramsey. We going out to eat. When we got a lot, we tend to squander it. The same thing applies to time. Well, I got time to work on that relationship. I got time to be there for my family. I got time. I got time. I got plenty of time. I'll get to it. We squander it. Energy. We'll squander energy. You know you're, you're the best you are in the morning? How many of you would agree with that? Like pre-coffee and post-coffee. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm like extra good after coffee, but we tend to squander things. You see, if we don't properly manage our time and opportunities, we live stressed. And if we don't properly manage stress, we can find ourselves disqualified. So what do we do? What do we do about it? Before I get into any points, there's one thing all of us need to be doing, and that's this one simple thing, and you need to answer this question. Are you taking a Sabbath? Are you taking a Sabbath? What's a Sabbath, Pastor? It's a day of rest. Vital to every person to take a day of rest. I stand before you as a man who struggles to take a Sabbath sometimes. I got stuff I know I could get done this afternoon and I'm chomping at the bits to get it done because there's an opportunity there to do something. But I'm, I'm preaching to you about Sabbath. Now I got to go home and take a Sabbath. But I'm going to enjoy it. What's a Sabbath? It's, a, it's the Lord's day. It's a day that we set aside just for God to rest and recover. Every one of us needs to rest and recover. Even if you had a light week, you need to rest and recover. It's a day that we spend with a great meal, with great family or friends. It's a day where we sneak in a good nap. Come on, somebody. My wife said, I woke up thinking about a nap today. I'm like, I feel you, girl. I caught a witness. It's a day to rest and recover. It's a day to communicate. So I've heard my wife saying some things this week. She's been dropping some hints, and I'm trying to be a good husband. She's been saying, you know, we ain't been spending much time together. You know, we ain't talked much this week. I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. So that means this, i got to cut my nap short, <laughs> spend some time on the back porch with my wife, or maybe we go ride and look at cows. <laughs> she likes that. It's just me, her, and the cows. We leave the kids at home. It's peaceful, unless there's a sick cow, then it gets chaotic. So we're careful about the cows. It's a day where we rest and we recover and we reconnect. Listen, I don't think any of us don't work hard. I don't think any of us don't have good intentions. I think every one of us is hardworking and we want to do the best that we can. And I believe that most of us are doing our best. I just, I just know that sometimes we get things out of order. 
and we go a little too far when we should have pulled back. So let me give you three things to redo today. Number one, we need to refocus on what matters most. I don't know if you realize this, but you were made to run. God made you to run. The reason you can work hard is because God made you that way. God gave you the ability to work hard, and it's okay to work hard. There's nothing wrong with that. I find fulfillment sometimes in in good, good old hard work. But we were made to run in a straight line. Too many times we got energy going in every direction. And sometimes, and you'll agree with me with this, sometimes the hardest thing is to get back straight again. What would it be like if you could run straight? What would it be like if you could refocus on your priorities? So we need to refocus on what matters most. Relationships matter. You should have said amen if you were sitting next to your spouse. Relationships matter. Many of us are stressed out because we're spread too thin. Right? When is enough going to be enough? Can I say that one more time? When is enough enough? Like, do you have enough work already? Like, do you have to take more? Is this not enough? You see, there's some relationships, and they come in a certain order that are very important. I'm going to give them to you real quick. The first one is God. Second one is your spouse. Third one is your kids. Fourth one is family or spiritual family. And the fifth one is your tribe. It's the people you run with. Those are important relationships. Those are the relationships that matter. You got to be careful not to give your best to other people and you're not giving it to these people. These people need your best first. Too many people under the the, uh, intentions of being a good person have sacrificed their families on an altar of being a good person and their families are suffering. Not every crazy man that walks in your church needing a bag from Walmart, you got to be there for him. I'm not going to say it. (laughs) You see, I want my family to want me even when I'm 60. I don't want to try to rediscover them when my body's been tired and I can't run like I used to and now I got to stay home more often and be with my family. I don't want to try to rediscover them then. I want them to want me when I'm 60. Amen? In order to do that, I got to give them my best. Purpose matters. So, fa- so relationships matter. Purpose matters. Purpose matters more than you think it does. Because you can find out today, going through next step, what your purpose is going to be. In Acts chapter 20, it says this, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We all have a purpose. You want some fulfillment? You want to fill this empty void in your life? You want to feel some satisfaction in your life? Go reach somebody for Jesus. Your tank's going to run over. Amen? Amen? You got, but you don't know that if you never do that. 
You've heard, some of you heard me share this story. When I was a youth pastor in Franklin, I brought, brought a little team of youth guys over to the battered women's shelter, and they were, they were remodeling a house for these women who, who would, you know, get battered. And, and, they, and they, were, they were in trouble, and they needed a place to go to get out of their situation. And so we went there to serve one day. And I had a one little boy in my, in my youth group. He was, he was rebelling. He was running from his parents. He was starting to hang out with the wrong crowd. And, and he came with us. And, and I didn't even pay attention to him, but I, before I knew it, I saw him. He's working his tail off. He's having a blast. And, and he catches me behind the trail, and he goes, hey, can we do this again next week? This feels so good. And I went, wow. Here he is hauling trash wood out of a house, and he's finding fulfillment. Why? Because he's fulfilling a purpose that he was created for. We were all created to do something that God planned for us to do. And when we do it, we find fulfillment. We find fulfillment. You have work assigned to you by Jesus. Your purpose matters. Eternity matters. Do you realize the vast majority of your life is going to be spent on the other side? Like this life right now is just a vapor? It's going to disappear? What if we start living for eternity? What if we started investing for eternity? What if we started working for eternity? Not working to get eternity, but working to set some things there for when we get there. What if we took this time, energy, effort, and all these other things, and we pointed it towards eternity? And we made a difference in everybody's life around us, so that when we got to eternity one day, there's a whole lot waiting for us. Amen? So we got to refocus on what matters most. And number two, we need to reduce the non-essentials. There's some stuff you need to quit doing. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to quit. <laughs> I don't want to start a fight in church. We need to reduce the non-essentials. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and verse 5 says this. Carry each other's burdens, verse 5, for each one should carry their own load. Powerful verses. Doesn't sound very deep, but it's very deep. Carry each other's burdens... Verse 5 says, for each one should carry their own load. Burdens are troubles. They're things that cannot be carried on their own. So Jesus is saying to us that we need to carry other people's burdens. We should carry one another's burdens. What are those? Those are troubles or things that they're going through that they can't carry themselves right? So there's things in life that just come at us. We live in a fallen world, and they can be burdensome. Jesus says to come alongside and carry that burden, right? So we should be carrying each other's burdens, the things that people cannot carry. But watch this. He says each one should carry his own load. You know what a load is? In another translation, says each person is responsible for their own conduct, He says, each one should carry their own load. This is something they can carry, but they don't want to. 
So watch this. Jesus says, I want you to come alongside people who have some things that they cannot carry. Like it's just impossible for them to carry this. But when it comes to their load, the things that they can carry, but they choose not to, you don't need to carry that. Ah. You see, if, if it's a burden, they can't carry it. If it's a load, they're just choosing not to carry it. How many grandparents raising grandkids? Just so that their kids can go make more money to pay for things that they bought they shouldn't have bought. I'm sorry. I know I'm big and I stepped on your toes, but it's going to be okay. By his stripes, you're healed. How many times do we go and pick up things we're not supposed to pick up? You see, we got to come to this understanding that when I say yes to this, I'm saying no to that. Anytime I say yes to go do this, I'm saying no to going and do that. And most of the time when I say yes to something, I'm putting my family on the altar of sacrifice. Come on. Some of us are stressed out because we're carrying other people's stress. Decisions they made that they didn't consult you with. You're not meant to carry that. You see, God calls me to help you with what you cannot carry. But he does not call me to be responsible for what you will not do. Some of us are so stressed because we're carrying our own burdens and everyone else's load at the same time. I can't be responsible for somebody else's irresponsibility. Ah, some of you are having a real hard time with this. I can feel it. Some of you are like wrestling. But that's not the Christian way to do it, is it? Belshazzar was disqualified because his focus was in the wrong place. So what if it's not a golden cup? It could be somebody else's load. I don't have to be responsible for other people's irresponsibilities. You see, if you learn to say no, you'll one day trade popularity for respect. Amen? So we got to learn to say no to some things so that we can say yes to some other things, the more important things. Amen? Look at me. It's okay to say no sometimes. I want you to hear it. It's okay to say no. I can't do that right now. They won't die. <laughs> they might repossess that TV they're renting, but they're not going to die. Number three, we need to reprioritize our lives. Reprioritize your life. You see, the order you put your life in matters because order is powerful. I'm going to say that one more time. The order you put your life in matters because order is powerful. If I don't prioritize my life, somebody else will. If I don't wake up with a plan in the morning or I'm seeking God for his plan or I'm submitting my plan to his will, somebody else is going to show up with a plan for me. 
Amen? You better have a plan for your life. You better make sure it stays in line with your order because if you don't, somebody else is going to order your life. Right? You see, there's a blessing that comes when you put priorities first. Remember I gave you the list? God, spouse, kids. That, that list? Remember that list? There's, there's, a, there's a, an incredible blessing that comes with that. Anytime I put God first, when I put him first, he helps me with second. When I put him first, he helps me with second. Second helps me with third. Third helps me with fourth. Fourth helps me with fifth. There's a tremendous blessing to keeping things in order. Amen? If I'm going to say yes to something, I need to check it with my order. Like, is this going to take away from God? Is this going to take away from my spouse? Is this going to take away from my kids? I'm just trying to help. That's all I'm trying. I'm not fussing this morning. I'm just trying to help you out some. I want you to have a little less stress and a lot more peace in your life. Amen? What if we just take care of God first? He helps us with our marriage. Then our marriage helps us with our kids and our parenting. And then our parenting helps us. There's a blessing. It's a blessing. Otherwise, chaos ensues. Right? Relationships matter. Purpose matters. Eternity matters. Do you know your order determines your capacity? When we're stressed out, what do we normally say? I can't take no more. Come on, parents. I've had enough. I'm up to here. Your order determines your capacity. Watch what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, don't worry about these things. Say things. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Verse 33, the verse I was talking about earlier. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You see, we get that verse backwards. We think the verse reads, Seek first your things, and then God and his righteousness will be added to you. Wrong. It's never worked for me. I don't know if you're having any luck with it, but it's never worked for me. The verse says, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and then he will add all these things to you. You want to know a good stress reliever? is when things start coming to you and you don't have to go to things. They work for me now. Like my kids tell me sometimes, Daddy, you work for me now. I'm like, that's a good stress reliever. You carry all the weight, pay the bills, I'll work for you. 
But it's amazing how when we seek first his kingdom, and it's a seeking. Come on, y'all. It's a seeking. It's not just a being still. It's a seeking. When I seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, then he adds the things. I know people that were doing that. They were seeking his kingdom. They were busy about doing what God wanted them to do and living in his righteousness, and food would show up at their house. People just knock on the door. Hey, the Lord told me to bring this to you. But instead, we flip it. And we get all wound up about things. Watch this. Just like the unbelievers do. Baby, you've been born again. You're not an unbeliever anymore. When you were born again, you, were, you died to living that old life. When you were born again, you crucified the old ways. Come on. I'm not an unbeliever anymore. I'm a believer now. I've got access to kingdom things. I've got access to God's things. But too many of us sit outside the palace trying to fix our own things when everything we need is inside the kingdom. And he says, if you'll just come in here and take care of me first, then you can have whatever you want. That could be because of pride. It could be because of the way you were raised. You're independent. I don't need nothing. I don't want to bother God. Well, God's bothered because you're bothering about things that he's going to provide for you instead of seeking him first. Amen? We have access. When I was born again, I got a key to the kingdom, baby. My key works. God's not like your landlord. When you don't pay rent, he changed the locks. My key always works. Let me say this and I'm going to wrap it up. For some of you, this may not be a scheduling thing as much as it is a heart thing. There's something in here that God's trying to change today. There's something in here that he wants to turn around. It's not, it's not in your planner. You may, you may not be able to fix your issues with your planner. It may be God may fix them with your heart. You see, because when your heart is to please him and your heart is to do his will and to seek him first, then your heart is also set in a place where I'm going to let God bring me what I need or I'm going to let God give me the opportunities at the right time to go get what I need, right? I'm not going to fret about these things. My heart's going to be in the right place. And then you won't have to see the writing on the wall that says you've been disqualified. You're found wanting. Watch what Jesus says. Matthew 11. He said, come to me all. Say all. all. Jesus said this, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. If you'll come to me, I will give you what you need. That's why that last song was so important this morning on the worship set. 
Nothing else matters. Powerful song. Brings you back to the place where, you know what? Nothing else matters. But Jesus. Jesus says, you come to me and I will give you rest. You know, that sounds awfully similar to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Doesn't it sound familiar? Come to me and I will give you rest. Seek first my kingdom and I'm going to take care of everything for you. Wow. You know what stress is? Stress is an indicator. It's the warning light on your car. If you're running out of water or you don't have any oil or it's running hot. It's a warning. When you find yourself getting stressed, it's an indicator that says, hey, stop. Just come to him right now. He will give you everything that you need. It preaches good. Even I have to walk it out. Amen? Everything that we need is in him. 